I'm Michelle. I'm Rob. And this is Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk Into a Shelf. We're on our 16th episode today. This episode will be premiering on Black Friday, and we've got a couple things to talk about today. We're going to bring in our library's interim director, Cindy Hewitt. We're going to have an interview with her, and we're going to talk about library during the times of the pandemic, her favorite book, her favorite book cover, and she's going to play the library game. We're all excited about that. The library game. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, What else are we doing today, Rob? Well, we're going to start off. A couple sharp-eared listeners let us know that the last episode we did, which was our book club, We started the episode by saying that you had a very interesting history with the book that we read, which was A Rogue by Any Other Name by Sarah McLean. And then we just never mentioned what that connection was, what that interesting history was. So we did get a couple emails and we appreciate that. Thank you so much for letting us know. Uh, Thank you for listening. But let's go back. Let's go back in our time machine. What was the interesting history that you have with that book? I used to be like a book snob, but I'm not anymore. Thank goodness. So A Rogue by Any Other Name was the first romance novel I ever read. And the reason why I read it was because the title was just so delightful. And the rest of the books in that series, the titles are just so delightful. we got A Rogue by Any Other Name, One Good Earl Deserves a Lover, Never Judge a Lady by Your Cover, and there's a fourth one that I can't remember, which is terrible. Oh, No Good Duke Goes Unpunished. Ah, yes. So, the classic. <laughs> and those titles were just so funny and clever to me that I decided that, you know what, I will read this book. It can't be that bad. And it wasn't. And I thought it was adorable. It was a cute love story. It was funny. The characters were interesting and funny and believable. And we talked about that all that last episode. It's the first romance that I ever read. So it has like a special place in my heart. And it kind of broke me of being a genre snob or a book snob. Okay. So we're not talking that long ago then. No, it would have been in 2014. Okay. Well, that's enough time to have read a bunch of them. I just always thought that you were a romance novel reader from, you know, forever. No, I like I said, I was kind of a genre snob. Well, okay. Well, I found that very interesting and wanted to talk about it last time. And we just got into talking about the story itself. And again, thank you for everybody who let us know that we forgot that. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Yep. So let's get Cindy in here. Hi, I'm Cindy Hewitt. I'm the Interim Executive Director of the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library. Happy to be here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We're glad to have you here. So we're going to get started with a couple hard-hitting questions, the one that everybody's curious about. What's your favorite book cover? Okay, this one's always a tough one for me because I have a lot of favorite books, but I did think about this, and I have to say it's The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. The illustrated edition by Tasha Tudor came out in the 60s. It was a gift to me from an uncle as a Christmas present and really opened up the whole world of reading to me, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that book and treasured it for many years. Times are weird. Can you tell us a little bit about your feelings and thoughts regarding taking the helm as interim director during a pandemic? Well, I did nickname myself the COVID director because you know, it is the year of the year of. I think we'll always know the year 2020 was the mask year. I think that what's most challenging about this to me is the uncertainty of everything because we don't have an end date. It's not like, okay, we're going to do this until we're going to do it till the end of 2020 or we're going to do it to the end of 2021. We don't know. And we don't know when things are going to be over or different or back to normal, whatever normal looks like. 
I think it's also an opportunity, though. I think it's an opportunity to take what we have and build something different, make ourselves be challenged by the circumstances instead of overcome by them. Those are two opportunities we have either to sit back and feel overwhelmed or to take on the challenge. And I think for us, the library, I think we're in a position to accept the challenge. We have a lot of imaginative, creative people who work at the library, and I think we've tried to find new ways to do our jobs well. I'm excited to be a part of taking on the challenge. And what is your vision for the library while you're in charge? I want us to see us go back to what we've always been, but only better than that. Because I think we've adopted a lot of policies and changes that we're going to carry into the future. A lot of the things that we had to do to adapt to COVID, we're going to keep. I think the main thing that I find that we're missing is the idea of a gathering place, of being the place where community comes together and interacts and learns and grows together. And that's the one element that this whole pandemic keeps in the uncertain place. And I think getting us back to that in a safe way, getting us back to that in a way that we can encourage one another and grow together and get through this together is my goal. I'd like to see us be a better library at the end of all this than what we are now. How is the library adapting to the needs of the community at this time? Y'all know we've done a ton of things. <laughs> the first switch everybody flipped on was virtual programming, right? We took everything that we would do in person and made it virtual. You know, we have everything under the sun, including this podcast available, story times. One of the things we did that I think is was great was we took our bookmobile and started doing pop-up story times outdoors all through the summer. We translated our giant summer reading program into a coordinated project with the schools where where they were delivering free meals. We went and took and gave away free books and had story times and interacted with children where we could find them. And we're continuing that. We've continued that into the fall as far as we can until the weather holds. We'll keep doing that and then we'll have to pivot on that one for a while and wait. We've created a giant bank of how-to programs and anything you can want to know. I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired of online anything, which I shouldn't say that because then I'm asking people not to listen to this podcast, but listening and watching are two different things. But I think we're doing so many other things. You know, the grab bags that we came up with where you can just say, hey, I just want any book. We opened up our loan limits to 50 items so people can have as much as they need when they need it. We turned on auto renew and, you know, just put a cancellation on fines for many months just to keep people with materials being able to access the library, to use it, to, you know, deal with things in the middle of a crisis to have what they needed. I think our curbside service has been hugely successful. We have it at every branch. So you don't have to come in the building. You don't have to do anything that makes you uncomfortable or worried. We'll bring it to your door. We've started doing some really innovative things like uh, bringing out the 3D printer for curbside at a couple of locations. So you can put in a request for 3D printing and actually have it happen outdoors. We've done a couple of other things that I think are really cool. And uh, we've expanded our hoopla and overdrive programs added to our e-reader services really have boosted that up um, or looking at other kinds of online services we can offer so people can have access to all kinds of materials. Anything we can do to provide a safe, effective way of service, we've tried to do it. Are any of the branches finding adapting to pandemic changes more difficult? And what are some of the creative solutions that the branches have developed? Well, I think all of our branches would just love to fling open the doors and invite everybody in. I mean, honestly, the most difficult thing for us has been to tell people, please stay away. You know, please don't come close. 
that's not our nature. That's not who we are as a library. So I think all of us have struggled with that, uh, you know, particularly in some of the smaller locations where there's just no room. They're used to serving their community well. That's one of the things that's been the most difficult. I think we've overcome that in a lot of creative ways. One of my favorite is that we've taken assistive technology where we can screen share at some of the smaller locations particularly. So somebody's working on a computer, we can screen share from our computer and help them with the problem without having to be right next to them and still communicate. We've also done that with our self-check. So people who would not normally use a self-check because that's not a technology they're comfortable with, we can assistively screen share with them and walk them through the steps and help them get their books checked out or their materials checked out and move on. And those have just been wonderful ways where we can still interact between the plexiglass and the barriers and, and bring, bring that one-on-one service that we like to provide close for folks. So what are you reading now? I'm glad you prepared me for this question because I read multiple books in multiple formats all the time. We so, do that too. Yeah. Stack of print books, four or five ebooks, a couple of audio books. So they're always going depending on what where I'm at because I have a long commute to work. So I get a lot of listening in. I've also done a lot of puzzles during COVID because I don't go out anywhere. And so I can listen to an entire book and work a puzzle on a weekend if I really want to. That sounds nice. So so the last book I just finished was American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Loved that book. It's very, very deep, very hard book to read. So it's not necessarily light reading, but loved that book. Then, so for light reading, I'm working my way through this Misfortune series by Jana DeLeon. Typical comedic murder mysteries. I don't know how to say light murder mysteries. If you think of Stephanie Plum in the Louisiana Bayou, that's okay. the kind of book it is. It is one one of the librarians up in Hazel Green told me about, and I have been reading through the series as rapidly as I can because it's hysterically funny, so it's great light reading. And I'm also listening to an audio book called Autumn Skies by Denise Hunter, and that's kind of my relational romance kind of era that I go into. Then, just so that I'm not just, you know, enjoying light reading, I like to read a nonfiction work and keep one going that's actually kind of put some new thoughts into my brain. So I'm reading Radical Candor by Kim Scott. And I think that's it right now. Right now. I do have a stack that's always ready and waiting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. The stack yeah. never gets, you never get caught up, do you? No. No. And I, there's <laughs> always a new books. And, you know, and being able to see those New York Times bestsellers, I've always got a holds list. It's a pretty, pretty long. And I don't care where I am on the list because I'm going to read it eventually. So. Right. Are you familiar with the library game? Just vaguely. So you, you give me the directions. So okay. Don't lead me astray here. The library game is our version of Kiss, Mary Kill. So we're going to display, shelve, and discard in your hypothetical fantasy library. Okay. You can pick book or author that you would put on display to share with everybody. Okay. One you put on the shelf that's like your good old standby, should always be there, and then one you would just get rid of from your hypothetical fantasy library completely. R.I.P. We've put a lot of people in the hot seat on this one. That that is is really hard. (laughs) So I used to be an elementary school librarian, so I'm just a real sucker for children's books. I mean, just so any really great children's book 
that I think a child would enjoy because I don't know that all children's books are written for children. Some of them are written for the amusement of adults. Yes. But, but if it if it's a it's a phenomenal children's book, I, I love to see it on the shelf. And there's so many that I love that it's really hard. And I like to see those on display because they always engage young readers. Then they, you know, they want to pick up the bright cover, the one that's really happy. And then there's just some fun books. And I'm, I'm stalling here. You realize that because I'm trying to come up with the title. Oh, this is what everybody does. On yep. display. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you where where I would be <laughs> on this. And I'm trying to, I'm looking through books in my head. I'm flipping <laughs> through them in my head saying, which one do it? And because so, uh, Double Trouble in Walla Walla is one I would see on display. It's an oldie but a goodie. Okay. But it's a, a lovely, hilarious rhyming book. That would be the one I would pick. So that's your display. Always that's on my, display. Always on display. Double okay. Trouble in Walla Walla. Let's go with that one because okay. every kid's going to pick it up. All okay. Because right, it's fun. And All who right. would you always keep on the shelf? Yep. I will pick up and read anything by Charles Martin. I don't okay. know if you're familiar with him. Great mm-hmm. author, uh, kind of a Nicholas Sparks kind of writer, but I just love his books. They always have a little deeper meaning for me, and I, they're the ones I pick up and and read and think about and read quickly and then wish I hadn't gotten to the end because I'm not ready for it to end yet. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. So he's on your shelf. He's and now, on my shelf. Now the big one. Who would you get rid of? That's just, that's a tough one. You don't even need to say why. You just. Who would I get rid of? Who would you get rid of? This isn't, you would get rid of off of this library. It's no, no. It's your hypothetical My fantasy hypothetical library. My hypothetical fantasy yes. library yes. would be probably any self-help book. <laughs> <laughs> just get rid of them. They never work anyway. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming out and talking to us. This has been great. Uh No, delightful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. Thanks for playing the library game. Sure. Thank you. Uh All right. Thanks to Cindy for joining us. Yes, thank you. That was awesome. Today, this episode's coming out Black Friday. The darkest day that retail ever knows. pretty terrible if you work retail that's for sure yeah it's not a fun day if you're at one of the stores but thank you for being there yep we We appreciate appreciate you yeah thank you i used to do it you used to do it yeah we both we have our uh black friday and tales to tell but not today not today no you don't want to bring anybody down (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted to ask you what your ideal Christmas dinner menu is. Oddly enough, it's the same exact thing that we have a month before at Thanksgiving. Okay. Anything that we have at Thanksgiving, but maybe throw a ham in there. We don't usually have ham on Thanksgiving. That's turkey day. There's something about a, uh, a nice plate and you got <laughs> turkey and ham next to each other <laughs> and the two different gravies and then, you know, your potatoes, your vegetables, all your different casseroles, like stuff that you wouldn't think would be a great casserole. Like I Free never beans. knew. Yeah. Well, I never knew you could do so much with like Fritos. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything, any casserole you can make with those onions, those dried out onions on top. Boom. Those are great on macaroni and cheese. <laughs> They're great on everything. Yeah. I don't need, I, I should have some right now. Uh, I really just want to eat a jar of those. <laughs> Let's hope there's not a shortage this year. Yeah. So uh, basically that. Uh, when we were little, my mom actually would make a turkey and a duck. Wow. Yeah. And that was always kind of fun to have duck. It, it just we felt like so, you know, like, hmm, we're having duck. It's fancy. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever eaten duck. 
I don't hardly remember it. I remember we had it. I remember I always ate it, but I don't really remember much about it. Interesting. So what about you? What do you like to have on your Christmas plate? Christmas, it's basically Thanksgiving food. My mom's a really great cook. I think we already talked about this, but I'm going to say it again. My mom's a really great cook. (laughs) So Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner are almost the same and they're always so good. So sweet potatoes with the marshmallows. That says thing like Christmas to me. Sure. The sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top. You're corroding something that's good for you with something that's bad for you. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, my mom, when she makes the sweet potatoes themselves, she uses way less sugar than the original oh, recipe called for. So, like, you can still taste that they're sweet potatoes okay. with the marshmallows right. on top. So, so they're, like, not as bad. I mean, it's still sugar and marshmallows and whatever with your sweet potatoes. But it still just tastes like sweet potatoes. So, Would it be weird to have that meal in, like, March or April just because it's... Wednesday. Maybe, but sometimes I do just get like a box of stovetop and some cranberry sauce like in the middle of the year and eat okay. it. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just, I just, yeah. I really need some stovetop. Now, my mom makes dressing from scratch. She makes cornbread for like a week ahead of time and lets it dry out. And then, oh, wow. Like makes it from like the turkey drippings and stock and like goes all out for her dressing. And it's, it's amazing. So, like, I don't want to confuse my mom's cooking with stovetop because it is not the same, but it hits right. the spot in the middle of the year. Right, right. Yeah. You would never go to that kind of trouble no. just in the middle of the year, but to get stovetop. Yeah. No, that's, um, I don't know, there's something about that meal that just says Thanksgiving slash Christmas time. Let's, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. That's Santa Claus. Uh-oh. Yeah. So when you were a kid, did you believe? Were you a believer? Yeah, for a little while. But I remember I was probably about five and I kind of figured it out. And at that point, I was just like, why is this a thing? <laughs> <laughs> but my mom was like, if you would like to continue to get presents, you will act like it's magical for your siblings. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's easy to yeah. do. Yeah. So that, you know, I kept the secret and kept it going. And I have a little brother and a little sister. And hopefully I did not ruin it for them. I hope I did not. I remember the Christmas that I woke up in the middle of the night and went downstairs. And my parents were putting all the presents under the tree. I caught them. <laughs> my mom said, Santa just dropped this stuff off. He asked us to look over it because he didn't have time to make sure that everything was here. So you need to go back to bed while we do this. And it seemed completely, I mean, I was like 17, but it seemed completely, (laughs) it was perfectly reasonable that that had happened. Santa gets into a rush on that night. Uh, No, I don't know how old I was, like maybe five or six. After that, I was always kind of suspicious. I know that being the oldest, I had to kind of fake it a little bit for my brothers. My brother's close to age as me. So like we kind of were woke around the same time to the whole Santa thing. But for the sake of our little sister, we kind of let that go. The one thing, though, that my mom always did that kind of made it magical, and this was even as a teenager or as adults even, Christmas morning, you you couldn't go into the room with the Christmas tree and the presents until mom got there first to turn all the lights on. It's all about presentation. So when you walk in, it really did feel kind of magical. And I was like that. Yeah. It's one thing to walk in and your mom turns everything on, but then it's another to be <laughs> to be on the other side of the door of whatever room Christmas is in mm-hmm. with that anticipation. She's in there and she like turns everything on and then you walk in and it's already magical. I, I have very fond memories of that. So 
That was kind of cool. Oh, that's so heartwarming. Yeah, I have a couple of those memories. What about your son? When he was very young, like two, and he started to like put together the pieces of like the story of Santa and he comes in your house and he's like down your chimney. It really freaked him out. Like it visibly made him uncomfortable. Uh-oh. He didn't want to go talk to Santa at the, at the mall. He didn't want to talk to Santa anywhere. He was uncomfortable with the idea of Santa. So at a very young age, we explained to him that it's a tradition that people participate in. Santa's not a, not a guy that enters our house while we're sleeping and leaves stuff behind, you know, a stranger or whatever. And told him that now it's our job, now that he knows it's our job to make sure it stays magical for other people. And so now we get to act like Santas to others. So we make a point to go and buy toys for Toys for Tots and charities and make sure that we don't ruin it for like younger cousins or older cousins, as the case was at the time when he was like three years old and like, there is not a Santa. Oh, no. Yeah. So we had to be like, you cannot say that to anyone in your preschool class. You cannot say that in gymnastics. You cannot say that to your cousin. It is a secret that you have to hold now, and it's your responsibility to keep the magic for other people. That's a lot of responsibility. He took it pretty well. And then when he started losing teeth, he was like, tooth fairies, you too, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We were like, yeah, yeah, the tooth fairies. Yeah, and if you want to, what did the tooth fairy give now? Like a buck a tooth or something? No, he gets a quarter. Quarter? If you want your quarters, just keep it on the down low. I mean, it's a tooth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I hear some kids get. I've heard like, some big kids bucks. get like twenty bucks, big but bucks. that's not a thing that's happening in yeah, our house. Okay. So, sorry, kiddo, that's but fair. quarter's fine. But I think Christmas is still magical. We still decorate, and he still likes to watch the movies and go around and look at Christmas lights. And that's cool. You know, like I said, we try to make it a tradition to go and buy toys for tots and stuff like that. So. That's awesome. Kind of getting him involved in in making sure other people have some Christmas too. Yeah, and that's important. All right, uh, before we wrap it up. This is also the end of the novel writing November challenge. Hey, how'd you do? I did okay. I didn't write a whole novel. And again, I was working with a first draft, but I was able to get myself back into being focused and disciplined to sit down and write just about every day on the fiction, which I haven't done in years. And I have had a great time. So I hope everybody out there that wanted to do it made some progress. Um, Did you get to... Did you? Hello? (laughs) Is this on? I combined two traditions for November. So there's No Shave November and there's National Novel Writing Month. And I combined them to No Write November. And so I wrote nothing. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, and you seem seem really good with the progress that you made. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just remember, novels are written every day of the week, every month. Uh, it's a good challenge. Hopefully, if you if you tried it, if you got some discipline, if you got a habit of, of writing every day, keep it going. Let's see what we can do. I'm certainly feeling good, and we'll continue to follow it through. I want to read it. Oh, you'll read it. Okay. You'll read it. Great. You're in it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and they're looking forward to a relaxing and safe holiday. Uh, We'll catch you next time. And remember, don't Don't trust trust robots. robots. Bye. Bye. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. 
If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.